This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As novelist and author Ernest Hemingway once said, nobody goes to bed in Madrid until they have killed the night. And for Guardiola's infantry of Champions League chasing blues, that was the case on a sweaty night in the Spanish capital. Edison and Diaz said no pasaran to the Los Blancos insurgency, with Kevin showing Felipe VI who the real king of Spain is. It's Wednesday the 10th of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie Kirsch. I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. The treble is in sight for City and you can gear up for what could be a big few weeks of our wooing and man blueing by heading over to Beer Monster. Beer Monster is the place to find all of your favourite household names at refreshingly low prices with the likes of Brewdog, Goose Island and Budvar available at the click of a finger. If you're feeling fruity, you could even try out one of the famous Beer Monster kegs which allows you, the listener, to pour the perfect pint from the comfort of your own home. All purchases over £35 come with free delivery and if you're quick, you can also grab an extra £5 off with the discount code CityPod05. That's £5 off any order with the code CityPod05. UK only, terms and conditions apply, drink responsibly. 
Well then, chaps, what a what a result! I have to say, um, the last twenty minutes were hellish. I'd say the ninety the ninety minutes were probably hellish, but the last twenty minutes really had me fretting. But I would have absolutely start of the evening taken that result straight from your hand ollie mccool immediately uh, obviously full clarity for the listeners this is being recorded the night of the game you're listening to it on the day after if there's any confusion as to why we're referring to today's match you are not we are not reviewing the milan derby this is manchester city uh one real madrid one but ollie mccool straight away um thoughts because i'm pretty buzzing to be honest yeah, I mean, I'm like you. I, I would have taken if someone offered me one-one at seven o'clock this evening, I'd have, I'd have snapped your hand off for it. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant result uh, to come to the Bernabeu and play like we did for you know forty or fifty minutes of that game. It was, it was a performance as shocking as some of those outfits the players were wearing as they walked in. Uh, one of my one of my friends said Erling Haaland looked like a chef finding out he was on the open to close brunch shift, and. Um, <laughs> And to be fair, he sort of played like it as well. So um had to get that in. But um, first, like, I'd say the first 20 minutes were really good. And I thought, and you're thinking, oh, City look really good here. Real Madrid do not look in it. And then, you know, Vinicius's goal comes in 36th minute, was it? Um, and City just went off the boil from there on, it felt like, um, until Kevin De Bruyne popped up. And there was that kind of five-minute spell where it looked like City might get a second. Um, but one-one, that's a fantastic result. Um, I think any any City fan with a brain is taking that from this game. It was interesting because at full time on the BT Sport coverage, and, and to anybody who is anywhere other in the world than in England and gets to sort of view any other different coverage of coverage, then I'm absolutely jealous of you because it is woeful the BT Sport coverage. And it was summed up really because um, at full time, I think Jolien Lescott was the the token Manchester City representative, and no no dissing Lescott, I think he's ace, I think he's brilliant, but I think the uh, they balanced it out by putting in Rio Ferdinand, McManaman, and uh, and Owen uh, Michael Owen. So yeah, balance. Balance, balance coverage from them but but Oli Kirsch he said to him straight away he said are you disappointed with that result and I'm thinking sorry anybody and, and maybe there's some listeners who are disappointed but anyone disappointed with a 1-1 first leg away at the bird about 12 months removed from whatever car crash that was when it looked like City were in the final and suddenly they weren't I think they need to give the head wobble because that for me and I'll touch wood and I'll cross my fingers and I'll try and avoid any jinxes, was the perfect result, even better than a 2-0 City win. Because I think that then changes the complexion of the second leg. A 1-1, it keeps City sort of with something to play for, but gives them confidence of having gone there and actually performed well and got a result to match. Yeah, I did have to give my head a wobble. I was one of those people initially, and I think this is a problem. This is a problem that was caused by my pre-match expectations. Right, expect very little. You can't be disappointed. I was the opposite. I went into this very bullish. For those that listened yesterday to the preview pod, would have heard me say, "I think we're going to pace them four-one." <laughs> and so, you know, off the back of that, initially, when I mean, I, I knew probably. I don't know, by the, by the time it was half time that it wasn't ever going to be a 4-1 to see, mm. but it did take me a little bit to get over that disappointment because I do, and I, I still believe that we are a far better footballing team than Real Madrid. Uh, I'm sure we'll cover this in more detail later on or even in the in the preview pod next week, but 
I think that was not far off the very best that Real Madrid or this iteration of Real Madrid have to offer, whereas I don't think City really got out of first gear. So I'm still fairly bullish. I do believe that we are a far better side than them. But yeah, initially I was disappointed because we weren't going to get the pacing that I thought we were going to give them. But moving on from that, it is objectively a good result. Um, What more can you ask for than to have 90 minutes at the Etihad in a Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid. Mm. You know, it's it's going to be one of the biggest games that the stadium's ever seen. We're 24 or 25 games unbeaten at home in the Champions League, and we've got 90 minutes to do it against what most people will probably agree, and no disrespect to them, actually a lot of disrespect to them, I fucking hate them, <laughs> but most people will probably agree that we are a far better footballing side than Real Madrid. So mm. ultimately, City, they've done the job tonight. We're bringing it back to the Stade de Etihad level. Finish the job. That's it. And get out of fucking first gear while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's weird, isn't it? It's, I was saying this to my dad. We were watching it at home together. And I was saying, like, these first legs are, are never... They're just unenjoyable affairs because you don't know what to expect. And I said before the game, and and I, I'll try and explain myself as best as possible, but I said before the game that I think a 1-0 defeat in the grand scheme of things, obviously it would have stung right now, but a 1-0 defeat would have possibly been better than a 1-0 victory because then going back into the second leg, Guardiola's trying to find out what he does. How does he defend a 1-0 lead? And, you know, does he then pack the midfield or does he add another defender, blah, blah, But with this result, and I think this is the perfect result, City got a goal. They showed they could go to the Bernabeu and get a result or what could have been a 1-0 defeat. Thankfully, that didn't happen. It leaves it open enough for City to, from that first whistle next week, really go at Real Madrid. And we know what that stadium can do when it's bouncing and hopefully it turns up. But obviously, that that's, there's another game to come before that. But in terms of the, the game against uh, Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, Oli McCall, I actually thought it was the perfect game plan because City had the, you know, let's not face it, City have the capability to blitz that Real Madrid team. However, to do that at the Bernabeu is talking some sort of mastery fuckery that you're going to need, you know, in terms of, we'll get to the referee, but in terms of the referee falling your way, in terms of the, the bounce of the ball, etc., the first half was was good, but also at the same time, City weren't very incisive, and obviously they fell behind to that Vinny Junior goal. And I'm thinking, I don't see, I don't see this finishing one nil Real Madrid. It felt like there were more goals in the game. Thankfully, they were they were to City. But overall, if we're looking at it as the, as the wider picture, I've seen some people criticising City online, but I actually thought they controlled possession when they needed to. They defended well when they needed to, and and two standout players for me. I think Kyle Walker and Edison were the the ones who really stepped up when it mattered. Kyle Walker did a real had a really good battle with Vinny Junior. You know, sometimes got beaten, sometimes got the better of him. And Edison, we've compl- we've sort of criticised him and rightly so for being a bit lackadaisical at times, maybe switching off. But there were a, at least three saves I can recall, top draw when it mattered to keep City what could potentially have been in the tie. Yeah, uh, it was a game of two very, very good defences and two kind of further outfields that weren't as good. Um, you know, it was in, it, the, the goals were individual quality. It wasn't, you know, great team play. And there was some good moments of team play by City. You know, I think it was Jack Grealish running up the line, receiving the ball deep, running up the line, and then crossing it in for Haaland, who headed it right at Courtois. Um, but ultimately, this game came down to the goalkeepers and the defenders. They did their, They both did their jobs, you know, Carl Walker, I, I completely agree. I've criticised him a lot in recent months, but he was phenomenal tonight. These are the types of games where Kyle Walker and the attributes he has are perfect. 
Edison, um, you know, whatever whatever you think of that of that Vinny Junior goal, I don't think he could have done much better with it. But he was brilliant for the rest of the game after that. Absolutely phenomenal. I haven't seen him make saves that big and that crucial for a while. You know, so consistently as well. Just you know, sometimes it, you need a performance like that just to remember how world class this guy truly is, especially after the criticism he's taken this season. Um, but. You know, I I also I also want to shout out, you know, someone like Ruben Diaz, you know, d- doing what he does best, you know, those that horrendously good block. Um <laughs> horrendously good. Is that good. is that a technical term? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it is because my heart was in my heart was in my mouth. Mm, likewise. Um, and uh, you know, we just about survived. And that's kind of the beautiful thing with Ruben Diaz. He'll have these moments where it looks like it could all go wrong, but he always comes out on top. He's just a mammoth of a man. And, um, you know, that, I think that kind of sums up where City are. It kind of looks like we're almost in that t- taking pride in defending. And I love mm. to see, and I love to see City in that mood because they just, they, they go to another level. Um, they needed to play a they needed to play a bit of a not dirty game, but a kind of more forthright, more physical game here. You know, they must have known coming into that stadium it wasn't going to be ninety minutes of pretty possession and you know beautiful link up play and all of that. It was gonna you got, you're gonna have to get some mud on your shorts at some point. Um, and they did that, you know, couple couple of dirty tactical fouls. I thought the referee was absolutely abysmal. Um, you know, that thinking about it, Real Madrid should have been down to nine men, yet they had 12 they were paying on the pitch, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't get um, the lawyers involved for that one. But yeah, quick, ale- quick, quickly, ale- because I just want to quickly, before we, we move on to elsewhere, Kyle Walker, some numbers from his game. Because um, like you say, obviously, Ollie, you've, you've been a vocal critic and, and you you know, you know said on, on record that you wouldn't mind him leaving the club at the end of the season. But he had five out of six tackles completed, five clearances, six recoveries, six, to, uh, six out of seven ground duels won. 45 out of 54 accurate passes. Oli Kirsch, um, should City go on and perhaps, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe whisper it, win this competition and slash or some more trophies this season? Regardless of what happens to Kyle Walker next season, he's going to go down as a City legend, surely? Yeah, of course he is. But we're in that weird position now where... <clears throat> We've got so many of these players. Um, we're we're going to run out of statue space, <laughs> or at least hey, East Manchester's pretty and... bloody big. I'm sure you could squeeze, uh, squeeze <laughs> well, some yeah. around other places. But listen, ultimately, you know, if we if we do go on and win it this season, almost every player in that squad is going to immortalise themselves mm. in one way or another. Um, Edison, for some of the performances he, he's put in against Bayern and against, of course, against Madrid tonight. Uh, De Bruyne, of course, he probably would get the statue if we were to win it because he's kind of been that middleman between the pre-Pep era and what we've done since Pep's come in. Um, Haaland, of course, for the season he's had, he'd be up for the Ballon, for Ballon d'Or contention. It, it's hard to put any particular player above another. They're all contributing. John Stone's unbelievable season. Again, if we go and go on and win it, he's been a huge part of it. He, he spent more time on the edge of Real Madrid's box tonight <laughs> than, uh, the, than he did on the edge of our box. And he's supposedly our centre-back. So, yeah, look, props to Kyle. Uh, he, he did what he does best tonight. I don't think Vinny generally had the beating of him, which says something for mm. Kyle because Vinicius Jr. is one of the most, if not the most, electric left winger in football at the moment. So, yeah, full credit to Kyle, but I, I wouldn't take it away from any of the others. They will all become immortal in the annals of Manchester City if we go on and win the Champions League and or, say it quietly again, all three. 
And, and there was that lovely embrace Vinny Jr. And, and Kyle Walker had at full time where they sort of like open arms, sort of high-fived in the air, gave each other a hug and sort of said, you know, fair play. And I, I love seeing that when two professionals, top of the game, obviously, either end of the careers, really, Vinny Jr., pretty young Kyle Walker getting on a little bit in terms of footballing-wise. And, and yeah, it was a nice moment. And no, no more so, though, you have to say, Ollie, Ollie McCool, than, than the, the Kevin De Bruyne strike because... That is a goal which I think, regardless of whatever happens this season, that's a goal that is going to be looked back on for decades as one of the great Champions League moments. You know, put it in context to the game, City obviously got away of a result, but it was at a moment when you were looking at the match going, if Real Madrid fancy this, they could probably finish the game with a free goal advantage. It was the only time, just after that half-time break, the only time in the game where Real Madrid truly felt as if they were sort of stamping down a little bit on City and, and City looks a little bit rattled. I remember Bernardo Silva gave it through a couple of fouls away, uh, Ilkay Gundogan as well. And, and just when you need it most, who is there to step up other than Kevin De Bruyne? And, and his celebration, man, oh my God. It, it, it sort of it gets the nerves jangling a little bit. Now he, he's sliding away in the burner back. Like, let, let's reiterate, Manchester City, Little old Manchester City in a semi-final in the Champions League in the Bernabeu. Kevin De Bruyne, the man's seen it all really in football, pretty much. He's sliding away on his knees, hands in his face. It looked like he he shed a tear and he had a moment with, I don't know if he's a religious man, but it felt like he had a moment with God in that moment. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment for a beautiful goal, for a beautiful man and, and, you know, a beautiful football club as well. I mean, exactly. It kind of sums up Manchester City. We start the day beefing Gillingham fans on Twitter who think they'd be in this position if, you know, Mark, Mark Halsey hadn't put five... Shout out five, Mark Halsey, by the way. Yeah, I hope he had a, a nice glass of wine. I, I hope he had a great time. Um, but Kevin De Bruyne, we could talk, we could do a whole podcast episode on him and it just wouldn't even be enough. You know, 11 Champions League knockout goals for Manchester City now. That's a ridiculous, ridiculous record. The guy just always turns up you know for someone who was dubbed the 50 million pound reject you know when he joined you know how you know that video of Paul Merson and and all the others on Soccer Saturday it will go down in history just as much as the man himself for how idiotic someone could be you know Kevin De Bruyne is not just a city legend at this point he's a Premier League legend he's a world football legend you know he's easily the greatest midfielder the Premier League's ever seen one of the greatest the Champions League will ever see Mm. it's He's phenomenal, and you know he just kept trying and trying to get his goal, and then he got it, and it was it was his best strike of the night by far. Um, mm. Absolutely phenomenal goal for a phenomenal man who I hope has many, many more years of you know soul crushing strikes like that in, in Champions League and Premier League football to come for this club. Just one more, one more player that I want to give props to before we go for the break. Uh, you know, we talked about Edison, we talked about Walker, Diaz, Stones, De Bruyne. One more player that that does deserve some credit tonight is Grealish because he uh, obligatory Grealish prop here, but he <laughs> hey, did for it, struggle. For it. No, look, like the rest of them, like Harland as well. Uh, he struggled getting forward tonight. But him and Bernardo as well, for that matter. But Jack in particular because he really did struggle going forward. He didn't let his head drop. He didn't start flouncing around the pitch, and he did the dirty work defensively. Uh, Lay on the well, there, there were a couple of other heart and mouth moments when he might have been uh, dangerously close to handballing it in our own penalty area. But he did put in a serious shift defensively. Um, we're going to talk possibly in the second half about 
whether there was a change warranted, you know, perhaps Foden coming on for Grealish. But from a defensive point of view, Grealish did everything that was asked and more. And I've just got to give him give him some some credit for that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going to find me slagging off Jack Grealish, even even when he's had a bad game. But I, I felt like he was the perfect man, and that and that's why he's there. You know, he doesn't get goals and assists at the same rate that other attackers may get, because quite frankly, that's not what he's there to do. I know we're reiterating and we're repeating points we've made endlessly, but the way he travels with the ball, the way he buys fouls, the way he breaks games up, is absolutely crucial. Because as, for for as good as Phil Foden is. Everything Phil Foden does is 100 miles an hour, whereas Grealish understands that tempo, when to go, when not to. Um, quickly, before we we swoosh away for, for the ad break, Ollie, the referee, dear me, that was one of, the, particularly the first half, and, and I don't know if it's maybe clouded by the fact that he got into it in the second half, but if I went up after half-time thinking it was one of those performances which make me feel so apathetic to the Champions League because it's only it's only the sort of performance you see at the Champions League. In the Premier League, the incompetence from the referee is much more sort of brazen and, and much more obvious. But Danny Carvajal, for me, probably makes four bookable offences. The last one against Jack Grealish, where he shoves uh, where he shoves Grealish into the into the advertising board, was was absolutely horrific. And and it, obviously there was a clip circulating on on social media, and and it made me. Feel Think of a for anyone sort of global listeners who may not have known this story, but there was a, a non-league player named Alex Fletcher who who was a player for Bath City who are in I want to say the sixth tier. And um, earlier on this season, he was taken into hospital into intensive care because he he sort of he fell into the advertising board sort of uh, amidst a challenge, and he he was seriously you know there's a point a genuine point where it felt like he maybe would have lost his life. It felt like he was going to lose his career for certain, and and stuff like that. I just find it takes whatever happens in the game away from it and, and that was going on all throughout that first half it seeps into the second half as well and I don't know it's, I felt it was important to, to mention Ollie McCall because it was just it was just annoying absolutely fucking abysmal performance from the referee tonight <laughs> that's City, one way to say it instead <laughs> you know I'm, I'm there's no there's no point flying with it City could have lost 5-0 and the referee would have still had the worst performance on that pitch tonight he was shocking you know and it's not and I, and I don't just want to say it from a biased perspective there were genuine errors being made at every single point you know the multiple offences on Carvajal the, I don't even think Carvajal got a yellow card in that game did nope. he no no um no. You know the to- the Tony Crows on where he just chopped Ilkay Gundogan in the in the gentleman's area for no apparent reason, completely unnecessary foul gives that a yellow card for it. You know it's moments like that you, that you think, you know when is when is our luck ever going to come in this competition? Because you just you just looking at it thinking that's not incompetence. You know we we see incompetence in the Premier League all the time. You know. And, 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 you know, some other clubs in the Premier League like to say referees have problems with them. Some managers talk about it all the time. I'm not going to name names. But in the Champions League, it feels more than incompetence because we've seen these referees have good games, um, you know, involve, and some maybe involve Manchester City, maybe not. But at the end of the day, a performance like that, how can you be in the elite of referees in this, in the continent, if you if you're putting up performances like that, if you're ignoring, you know what could have been two very clear head injuries tonight. That that elbow from Rudiger onto Gundogan early in the game that could have been incredibly damaging. I remember, you know, I think we were all thinking Kevin De Bruyne when 
Rudiger did a similar thing to him in the Champions League final a couple of years ago. It could have been a serious, it could have been a serious head injury. You know, just like you were saying about Alex Fletcher going into the advertising hoardings, that could have that could have been Jack Grealish tonight. And then Carver Hall has the cheek to whine on the floor and have to be dragged up by his teammate. I, I, I'm just embarrassed for the referee tonight, frankly. An absolutely shocking performance. And um, if, if I see his name on a referee sheet uh, for City in the future, I'll just give up hope there and then, frankly. To be fair, the only thing I will say in the referee's inverted commas defence is that he was equally shit in the second half, where, there were, where to be honest, there was some shithousery going on from our boys, uh, Rodri in particular. There were a couple of challenges where he could have been booked earlier on. And uh, I don't know if anyone's seen it, listeners, have a look at the Madrid zone on Twitter. But they, uh, they're saying that Bean Sports has confirmed with 3D technology that the ball was out of play. This is when Bernardo had the ball out wide before City went on and scored. So, you know what? What goes around comes around. I'm glad that Jack wasn't hurt, of course. I mean, it, it, it did seem brazen, but I'm quite satisfied that Madrid fans will be going home more upset with the officials, even more upset with the officials than we are. So uh, the other thing, one last thing as well on that, with the thuggery that was on show from Madrid, the upshot is that if we go ahead one or two goals at the Etihad, like we've talked about on the pod, like we've seen with Atletico, like we've seen with PSG, if we go a couple of goals ahead, they are going to lose their minds. Those players in that Madrid side are going to see red cards. I just hope that City players get away clean with no serious injuries, but I completely believe that all hell could break loose on the pitch if City have a healthy lead and we're doing what we do, keeping the ball and just frustrating the hell out of them. BN Sports are saying that, but that wouldn't be the Qatari-backed broadcaster, would it? Sort of trying to downplay a UAE-backed football club. Who knows what, what what sort of nonsense could be going on behind closed doors there. But anyway, enough of the conspiracy theories. Join us after this quick break as we continue our review of Manchester City's 1-1 draw against Real Madrid. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, the best place to grab discounted ales at refreshingly low prices. Grab all of your favourite household names with a wide selection of beers and ales available to choose from, and listeners to this show can grab an exclusive fiver off all orders with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05 for an extra £5 off all Beer Monster orders. UK only, terms and conditions apply, drink responsibly. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, of course, your home for daily Manchester City content. We'll be ramping it up as we get into the final few weeks of the season. Plenty of good stuff to come. If you haven't already, obviously, uh, earlier this week, we dropped our YouTube channel. There's no major content up there just yet, just a few short reels, but that will be to come in the in the, in the the preceding weeks as well right okay then let's let's put our sort of our analysts heads on if we can for a moment take away from the fact that it was a fantastic result let's park that we know it was superb to go back to the Etihad Stadium with the Champions League final in sight but Ollie McCool was there any part of that performance particularly maybe that last 20 minutes I mentioned it before I was I was wretched at, at one point really fearing for the sort of uh, the the inevitable collapse obviously it didn't come but there were parts that I, I did feel like City's game management lacked 
and that could sting City not only in the sort of Champions League next week, but also in the Premier League running as well. And it's something that's actually built up from the last few matches where I feel like City have conceded and they've looked really shaky. The Leicester City games, one that's screaming out to me. It felt like when City went 1-1, their, their job should have been at that point to see the game out and take the 1-1 because nobody's complaining about the 1-1. But there was a couple of moments, remember Kevin De Bruyne hoisting a ball towards Erling Haaland and it, and it just felt like maybe there was a little bit of a, a lack of, I don't know, awareness maybe, mental resilience. I, I, I don't know what it was, but it felt like there was, on another day, that could maybe have cost City somewhat. Yeah, especially with the kind of recent form we've had probably since the Arsenal game. You know, we've looked a little bit shakier mm. at certain points. Um, and that's not just game management in uh, towards the end of a game. You know, you think of the foot, you think of Fulham, uh, you know, immediately score from a penalty. Then, you know, we're conceding really early. And then from there on, the game is a much more difficult one to manage. But, um, you know, I, I look at that last 20 minutes tonight and I think you've either got two options. You can either shut down completely and just pass it pass it around the back and then make the occasional run forward before put, keeping it in the corner for the last five minutes. Or you can make one or two adjustments and kind of try and mm. get find a balance between taking the game to the opponent, but also making sure you're not making any mistakes. I think that's where someone like Julian Alvarez can come into a game and really be effective because, you know, he, he'll run around like a terrier. He'll get in positions, he'll drop deeper than Harlem will. Um you know, I was calling for Phil Foden because I was just at a point I was just thinking, you know, you're seeing some of the moves and passes, you know, players like Bernardo are making. Bernardo was brilliant for most of this game, but he gets that late yellow card and you're just thinking, because mm, we know he can be a bit of a shit house. We know he can not be a liability, but it can, but he's, you know, not exactly one to keep calm at certain moments um, in games. And it looked mm. like one way you're just thinking, maybe get him off, maybe do this. Uh, Gundogan taking a bit of a beating, getting wound up uh, later on in the game as well. You know, mm. is is it the is it the game? Is that the situation getting to them, or is it the stadium getting to them? You know, because see, we've had problems at the Bernabeu before, mm -hmm. not not just last season. Um, you know, we spent most of the time in 2019 looking a bit overawed and paying a bit too much respect, and then turning it on late in the game. Um, and it felt like it could have been a game like that here. You know, I think City with the right changes, evidently there were none, and Pep wanted to stick with the lineup he had out there. Um, but with the right changes, City could have gone one way or the other in terms of either going for a goal or shutting down completely. Um, that middle ground, especially in the last 10 minutes, looked especially dicey. And, you know, I think we were very lucky that we have a keeper such as Edison who can pull off saves like he, were, like he was late on. Yeah. Yeah, and and as well, you know, you, you've got. I said before, it was a perfect game plan from from Guardiola, and I stick by that. I think the 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 way City set up was absolutely spot on. Again, though, I'm looking at substitutions and I'm looking at burnout, and I'm thinking. I would actually like to see some changes at some point. I think there's going to be a massive rotation ahead of Everton, but that's to come. But Oli Kay, you know, it it it's a fine line, isn't it? Because City drew, and it, and we're all buzzing with the result. But at, at some point, I feel like this sort of the way City handle games when they're on a knife edge, it, it is so, it, the, the the fine line and the balance it's, is still to be found because I, I do think that there were moments where City, and we've seen it in the past, we've seen it against Tottenham, we've seen it against Real Madrid, they have these spells, these 10 minute spells where almost this black cloud descends over them and it's like a, I don't know, like an old Call of Duty game when they had the EMPs and, and you, you know, all your, all your technology wasn't working anymore and, and sort of, that's what it feels like, like, the, the 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 tech just switches off. 
it was it didn't happen thankfully but I think City still have to be careful going forward and maybe that comes with subs I, I think there's a trust issue with some of the players which is a shame but as well fitness wise it looked like City were on the feet a little bit and maybe that last 15 minutes or so City got away with one and and you know needed Edison but, but again that that's the game isn't it? that's the Champions League that's what happens Real Madrid have been there before maybe that's how you win the competition we wouldn't know yeah I mean just rewinding it a little bit from kind of that last 10 to 15 minutes because there were periods of the first half we didn't have full control and there were long periods in the second half that we didn't have full control. First of all, I don't think we can discount the temperature. The climate in Spain at the moment is very, very warm, whereas here we've just come out of the back of what has been a very long winter, especially mm-hmm. in Manchester. I mean, we're, we're into the negatives, I think, at some point in mid-March, yeah, late March. Yeah. So. That certainly is absolutely a factor. Then, of course, the minutes that are in the legs of some of these players, no less Harlem, Rodri, Grealish, uh, and some others. And ultimately, it is probably a calculated risk because we have a five-day break before Everton. If we were playing perhaps Wednesday, Saturday or Tuesday, Saturday, a little bit riskier. We might have seen a change or two forced, but... I trust well enough in our physios and, and our recovery program that five days with one or two changes will be more than enough. But the issue on the pitch with regards to the times where we weren't quite controlling it, I don't think it was necessarily a keep ball issue. I think it was ball recovery. We were losing a lot more of the 50-50s tonight or last mm. night for the listeners. And we were losing a lot of the loose balls that we usually pick up. You know, it is if you actually watch us, as good as we are on the ball at passing it around, we don't really push, say, around 20 to 25 pa- passes in any uh, in any passage of play. We will have one pass or two go a little bit off course, but we're very good at recovering very, very quickly mm. and winning those loose balls. That's what we failed to do tonight. The loose balls from Madrid passes, the loose balls from our own. We weren't winning it back quickly enough. We weren't first to the ball. We maybe weren't hungry enough, but with this squad of players, I think it's just an energy issue, heat, that kind of thing. As you said, Amos, kind of an EMP and everything just kind of slows down and switches off. But yeah, I mean, then looking at the last 10 minutes, it got dicey. But this is a positive. Mm. We've talked a lot this season, especially in the Champions League, about how this City team is the most adaptable side yet. And that was an incredibly mature performance. Look, we could have made changes. I'm currently enjoying an Argentinian Malbec while we record this, just in memory of the Argentinian that was sat on the bench tonight that never got his appearance, Julian Alvarez. Around the 60th minute, I was crying out for him to come on because Haaland was ineffective Mm. for several reasons, partly himself, partly those behind him. And... I don't think he would have impacted the game too much in terms of our ability to keep possession. Whereas that is a conversation when you're talking about, oh, well, should we put Foden on for Grealish? You're then potentially surrendering what little control we did have. Mm. Alvarez, I think, should have come on. But barring any subs, it was just mature in the way that we saw out the game. That is already an instant improvement on last season. We didn't shit the bed, in other mm. words, which is what we did at the Bernabeu last season. So there are positives to be taken from it. We've got a five-day rest now to Everton with a little bit of rotation available. We saw out a game where it very easily could have ended up 2-1 or even 3-1 to Madrid. But on the other side of that, there's a little pit of regret in my mind that perhaps Pep didn't make 
certain changes and maybe go and try and steal the game. But at the end of the day, it paid off. And going back to what we said at the beginning of the pod, 1-1 to bring back to the Etihad is absolutely fine. Yeah, City might not have shut the bed, but uh, our very own Adam Booker, who's recovering from food poisoning during that last 20 minutes, I can't speak for him. Best wishes <laughs> get well soon, Adam. But um, Ollie, we'll, we'll begin to wind down because, you know, it, I felt it was important to mention the fact that City, the, there was certainly moments of that that 90 minute performance where City weren't on top. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking Bernardo Silva, I can't remember a last a game where he was so poor really you know there's a few times you get caught in possession a few lazy fouls Gundogan as well and, and you know the temperature the heat it did look like a game being played at 30 degrees but City got through it and with the Champions League as we've mentioned a number of times it doesn't matter particularly by Munich ties a perfect example it doesn't matter how much possession you have how many shots you have how many passes you uh, put together as long as you get the results that will that is what will leave you in good stead and and before we go then Ollie uh, final thoughts on this game obviously we'll, we'll we'll cover it in more detail on tomorrow's show and sort of nitpick the finer details but 1-1 at the Bernabeu in the first leg, coming from behind nonetheless, which isn't the first time City have done that in this competition, in that stadium. Got to be happy, right? We've got to be happy. 100%. You know, this is a really, really good opportunity for City now to, you know, stamp their authority in this competition. Um, I think there's a a stat um, that was posted in in our group chat that Real Madrid have... Ne- have never gone on to win a tie uh, that they f- when they failed to win in the Bernabeu at the first leg. Um, so there's some, so there's a little bit of history in there. You know, this is City's first ever Champions League semi final with a crowd, where the second leg is at the Etihad, mm. um, which is something else entirely. And you know, the and the, and the other t- and the other two were against Real Madrid, where the Bernabeu was the second leg. And City did the job at the Etihad, but couldn't in the Bernabeu. This way, I think we've done the job at the Bernabeu, and now it's just finishing the job in front of our own fans. And you know, we we've seen what's you know, it's a much maligned fan base at times. But we've seen what sort of atmosphere they can bring on big big nights, and it's going to be a special. That's one a crazy. Next week. Sorry, Ollie, that that's a mad start. That I just want to pick up on that. It's the first time we've played a Champions League semi final second leg in front of fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, well, first, our first at the one Etihad, in yeah. 2015. Our first one in 2015 was against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Second one against PSG. Second leg was at home, but it was behind closed doors. And then obviously last year, first leg at home against Real Madrid, second leg at the Bernabeu. So, you know, hopefully, oh hopefully that... Um, I, I think on that, anyone who, who was there or watched the Hamburg game in, in 2008... It should make that look like kids play next week at the Etihad Stadium. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm thinking back to the second leg against Spurs um, quarter, in the quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah. Yes, mm. but just in terms of the the closest thing that we're going to have as a reference mm. to that kind of atmosphere that we're going to get is probably the second leg against Spurs in the quarterfinal. Um, I mean, I mean, there is an argument that this is the biggest game the Etihad's ever seen. Mm. Definitely yeah. in the champ, definitely in non-Premier League football. But, um, so, yeah, certainly non-Premier League. Yeah, certainly non-Premier yeah. League. Uh, well, that's to come. I'm already getting jitters about it, and uh, we've not even been to Goodison <laughs> yet. So uh, we'll wait and see what's <laughs> to come in the coming days. But uh, I know they said Fabrizio Romano, which is your name, very juvenile, Ollie K, on on the <laughs> Zoom call tonight. I can tell someone's had a few a few too many wines. But uh, Ollie K, as you go by, thank you very much. Grazie. <laughs> Ollie, certainly not from Italy. Uh, Cumbria's finest. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
thank you very much and as always like follow subscribe whatever you want to do until next time we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.